Welcome to Terra Nova. everybody and welcome to the second episode of the Terra Nova podcast. I'm your host Sarah Belpedio and I'm so grateful that you all decided to join me for our second episode today. I'm going to be continuing the the story of my life that I started um, in episode one so I'll continue to kind of walk you through my journey and the moments that really you know shaped who I am and the moments that help me figure out why I'm here and what my role is and all of this, you know, crazy stuff that's going on in the world. So today I wanted to start off by first revisiting or visiting a, a theme that we will continue to revisit over the course of the podcast. And this is a theme that I have really started to really contemplate and think think more deeply about over the course of the last year in particular. And this theme is is just a deeper understanding of the cycles of death and rebirth and really what that means. I think in our society, we, I mean, not just in our society, humans in general have a bit of an aversion to death because of course we are, our primary motivation is to survive, to, to stay alive. And so that has caused us to kind of not have as not not at least not have as as much of a discussion um, around around death and really what that means. But what I wanted to to share a little bit about today is kind of how I understand this this life cycle of death and rebirth and how um, understanding this cycle a little bit more has really impacted my personal life and also how I, how I understand what's going on in the world. So everything in life dies. That's just kind of, you know, part of being here on earth is that things have to die in order for new things to grow. And so the way that I have really started to understand this, this principle or this idea in my life is by allowing myself, whenever there is, you know, something that comes up within me, whether that's, you know, an old pattern that no longer serves me, an old way of thinking, old habits, just anything really that I that I determine is not really serving my highest good, what I've started to do is welcome the death of that part of me. And this has been the most transformational practice for me because what I've really realized is that when we let go of these parts of self that are no longer serving us, we can you know, thank them with gratitude. They served us for a point in time. But we are humans and we evolve. And so as we continue to kind of be a little bit more aware of, of how we can kind of welcome the, the deaths of certain parts of us, what we're really doing is creating all of the space for new growth, for new beginnings, for 
the the things that we want to start cultivating in our life for you know the attributes and the relationships and you know the career that we want um and so i i really wanted to start with this topic for today because i think it's super super helpful and like i said just as a really transformational practice for me um, to in every moment we can just kind of check in with ourselves and if there's something that's you know not feeling right an old like I said thought or whatever it is come up we can just consciously kind of let that go and allow that part of ourselves to die to create space for new parts of us to grow and um, one of my one of my teachers actually says with every breath there's a death So with every inhale, we're breathing in new life. With every exhale, we are releasing, we're, you know, allowing parts of ourselves to die. We're releasing things that don't serve us. Um, And not only has this been super transformational for me in terms of my personal life, it has also helped me just have a deeper understanding of this moment that we're living in right now. Um, like I started to talk about yesterday, we're really living in this fascinating moment in time where the way I see it is that we're kind of in the messy middle. We are witnessing the death of the old world and the old way of doing things. And we're also starting to see the emergence of this new world, this new way of doing things, this glimpse into the future. And holding on to this old way, these old patterns, this old world is really what, what's causing, I think, a lot of people suffering. And I think collectively we need to support each other. And, you know, of course, death is always always difficult that's not to say that like you know death isn't hard just because they're you know we we've at least I'm I've found that it's actually not only an essential part of life but um, a really transformational part of life Um, but I think collectively we can work together to kind of support each other in an understanding that this is just part of the natural cycles of life And this is not only happening in our external world, it's of course happening in the natural world, um, you know, with with plants and animals and, and all of that. But it's also happening from like a scientific perspective. This is also happening within us. Um, so every single moment there are cells in our body that are dying and there are new cells that are growing. And so I invite all of our listeners to just kind of contemplate this this idea a little bit. Again, part of my part of what I want to share through this practice is um, really starting to kind of destigmatize death and understand that it's death is really an opportunity to grow. It's an opportunity for evolution and it's an opportunity for transformation. And by welcoming and maybe not yeah welcoming and kind of accepting the death of this old world what we're really doing is creating space and creating opportunity for this new world to really start to take root and grow and this is super exciting to me and i'm 
I mean, like I said, I will continue to share more of the glimpses of this new world that I've been seeing for those of you who are like, wait, but like everything in the news seems like the world is ending and it's the apocalypse. Um, well, I think part of, of why I'm here and, and one of my gifts is really to look at the state of ever to look at life from a really macro perspective. So I've always been a pretty high level thinker, I would say, and kind of, I like to see things from kind of a bird's eye view. And the reason I like to do that is because I am, I think I'm pretty gifted at identifying patterns and understanding these patterns that govern our lives, govern our world has been really, really helpful for me. And actually one of the reasons why I've personally found astrology very interesting, even if you're you know, not really into astrology, we'll probably be diving deep, we'll definitely be diving deeper into it in um, some future episodes and have some guests on who are really um, astrology experts. But the thing I think that's so fascinating about astrology is that it's, it's really just the study of the patterns of how the planets and everything in the celestial world impacts life here on Earth. And so um, I think there's just a lot, again, a lot of insight to be gained by observing these patterns rather than getting like really stuck in like what's happening in the moment. All right, so now that we've covered that, I want to go ahead and dive back into where I left off yesterday with my story. So um, hopefully everybody that's listening to this episode was able to listen to episode one. Um, if not, I invite you to go and listen to episode one, just since this is kind of a continuation um, of my story that I started um, in that episode. But where I kind of left off was discussing a little bit about the death of my mother and, and really the lessons that I learned from her death. And I think tying it back to the theme that I um, started off with today, really accepting my mother's death and the death of my life, my former life from when she was alive, is what really created this space in my life and this freedom for me to start to really define who I was for me and not for anybody else, not for my parents, not for my mom. And so at this age, the young age of 12, I really had this, this, I really saw it as an opportunity to kind of reinvent myself and really reconnect with like who I am and what I want to do. And so this, this was kind of the first lesson that I think I really had with this whole I, these whole cycles of death and rebirth and really what again bringing that back to to me and how I have embraced that and allowed that to really you know just transform myself I as I mentioned yesterday being um, being a Scorpio and having a lot of planets in Scorpio um, Scorpios are all about these these cycles of death and rebirth and and really about transformation and I definitely throughout my life I mean you could probably say that I have been addicted to transformation in some ways um, and I'm trying to I mean I still think that 
we should all again like we're all constantly evolving whether we are aware of it or not so i think we're all we're all constantly transforming and just bringing another level of awareness and consciousness to that is super important but i'm also working on kind of balancing just being present and being where i am and and um really loving where i'm at um so shortly after my mom died i ended up leaving the school that i had gone to for my entire life so i went to a montessori school when i was a kid i I started there when i was two years old and i stayed there through sixth grade um it was a really funny place to to be a kid and I mean I, I really loved my experience at Montessori it really felt like uh, a super tight-knit small community of people who were a little bit you know more interested in an alternative way of life um, my mom and, and her family definitely were very quirky um, very out there when I was born actually my my mom's brother is an astrologer and so he did my chart when I was born so I've I've always kind of been around this stuff, always been around just these kind of alternative um, ways of, of living, alternative health and, and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, and, you know, of course, growing growing up at a Montessori school, um, it's, it's a slightly different kind of education, something that's really, really hands-on and um, gives the kids a little bit more agency, which I, I think was perfect for me being like a super independent child and being very ambitious and, and being interested in what I was interested in. Um, so that was kind of, you know, my life up until age 12, I was... I was at that school and there there were only six kids in my sixth grade class. That's that's really how small it was. Um, but it had always been a dream of my of my mom's for me to go to um, one of these prestigious private schools in San Diego. And so she was actually a teacher herself. Um, she taught English as a second language. She actually taught at Juvenile Hall for many years and ended up teaching independent study for kids who would get kicked out of school or young women who got pregnant and can no longer attend regular school. So she education was always extremely important to her. And so for a very long time, it had been a dream of hers for me to go to one of these um, really great private schools in San Diego. So I ended up getting into one of these schools. I ended up getting into, it's called La Jolla Country Day School. Shout out to the Tories, go Tories. I'm hoping that, I mean, I know that some, of course, many of my friends from high school will be watch, will be listening to this. So um, um, hopefully you all will, you know, find this, this interesting. But so I started at this, at this new school for seventh grade and this really was the beginning of my new life because right like i said after my mom died which was when i was in sixth grade um that year i had applied to these schools and i ended up getting into la jolla country day for for seventh grade and 
this was just so exciting for me at the time. I literally just like could not wait to go to this school. There were going to be, it was huge compared to what I was used to. There were a hundred kids in a grade instead of like 10. Um, so this was a really exciting opportunity for me to just really kind of reinvent myself and, and start this new life make new friends, meet new teachers, you know, have new mentors and all of the amazing experiences that I would go on to have at this school. Um, so started at this school and made a ton of friends. I like immediately just loved the experience so much. Um, and the really cool thing is that I started to get, um, I started to really build relationships with a lot of these teachers who would go on to become my mentors. And this was extra important for me. Um, like I said yesterday, throughout my life, it kind of felt like I was a parent to my parents. Um, and my dad obviously was grieving my mother's death and he owns a small business and so he was working all of the time and so I really needed that that guidance and that mentorship and I'm so fortunate that that I got that um, when I was at Country Day. Um, so towards the end of seventh grade I, I we all had to write this paper um, it was kind of our final paper for the year called Facing History and Ourselves. And, you know, a lot of people wrote about, um, you know, historical events um, and, uh, you know, just wars and things like that. And I decided to write my paper on sex trafficking because that's, of course, what all 13-year-olds are thinking about is, um, is human trafficking and uh, sex slavery. And I remember researching this paper for this paper and just being so completely outraged that in 2006 or whenever this was, that there was still slavery going on in the world. Of course, we learned about slavery in this country um, in school, but I was just totally floored and outraged that there were women all across the world who were still being kidnapped and sold into slavery. Um, I just, I really was, was so outraged and I, that was kind of the beginning of this, this fire that was lit within me to change the world and really, really change things. And like I had mentioned yesterday, Gender equality, women's rights has, has always been something that has been really important to me. Um, but it, I think this really from this point on was when I started to have the opportunity to really explore this interest and passion of mine more. So after writing this paper, one of my teachers, Fields Nelson, for all those who know him, he was an amazing teacher. Um, he felt that after, you know, reading that paper, which was 
a bit unusual compared to some of the other papers that were written. Um, he he was like, all right, um, this girl needs to meet Miss Nordinger. And um, Miss Nordinger was the director of community service for the school. The way I can describe her is Mother Teresa incarnate. She, I'm pretty positive that Mother Teresa's spirit works through this woman. She is just the best. She really created this, this culture within the school that prioritized service um, and really made it a huge part of our educational experience. And um, just like I said, created so many opportunities for kids of all ages, from kids in the elementary school all the way through senior year of high school to have an opportunity to, to give back and to cultivate service not as you know something that you do once a year but really is as a way of life and very as like a core component to what it means to you know be a student and I I could literally go on forever I know that she's gonna be listening to this so um shout out to Miss Nardinger I love you so much um we're still very 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 close friends to this day and I am so so grateful I mean literally just eternally grateful to have her as really a lifelong mentor um and so connecting with Miss Nordinger really gave me an opportunity to dive a little bit deeper into this passion of mine to change the world. And so, like I said, she really gave us the opportunity to come to her and say, like, what are we passionate about? Like, what do we want to help change? What do we want to, you know, what kind of change do we want to bring about in the world? And she would help us essentially plan these events, you know, fundraising opportunities, opportunities for us to work at homeless shelters, all sorts of things for, for you know, anybody who was really interested in a, in a broad spectrum of things. There, there was something for everybody. And there was something that she told me um, a long time ago that, that she, and I can't remember exactly how she said it, but essentially, um, her whole thing was like making community service cool. And I really took that as like my new kind of like mantra that I was not only going to become this like active member in on community service board um, at school, but I wanted to make it cool because I wanted more people to get involved. I didn't want, you know, when you're like in middle school or, you know, in high school sometimes like doing this stuff it's like oh that's not cool whatever um (laughs) but we we really made community service cool and it and it I mean it was such just like all of my my favorite memories of of my time at country day really revolved around some of our our community service events and the things that we planned um 
But one of the other amazing things that Miss Nordendra did was she would plan these international service trips every summer. So essentially arranging for a group of us to travel to um, a country in the global south and really experience firsthand what it's like to live in a, an impoverished rural area and and during the trips we would of course you know it was a community service trip so the first trip that I participated in which really changed the trajectory of my life forever um, was this trip that we went on the summer after my sophomore year of high school we went to Kenya so I, I traveled with a group of probably 20 kids to a small village out in the Maasai Mara. And every single moment of this trip, I just loved everything about it. For some reason, being on the continent of Africa, I felt more at home than I ever had had felt before. There was just like this deep resonance with the people, with the culture, with the landscape. And, you know, from there on out, I kind of became very obsessed with just visiting these different countries in Africa and, and wanting to really make a difference um, and, and improve the lives of, of people that were living there. Um, and on this first trip to Kenya, um, we went with a group called Me To We, and we all got these shirts called Be The Change. And like I said, it was just such a magical trip. We went with this group and the main thing we were doing was helping to build a school so building a school in this very rural area, um, we taught English to some of the local school children. Um, but the thing that I was most fascinated with was when we met with the mamas. We met with the mamas of the community and we learned about the walk that they had to make just to get water every day. And there were so many things that we learned about, female genital mutilation. And I was just like, this doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make sense. And so we, that was really one of the, the first experiences that I had that really solidified that I wanted to be supporting women, empowering women and and I've always had this just kind of internal sense that like when we empower women, we, we empower our communities, we, you know, empower the world. Um, but this is really where this passion started. Um, and so that, that was just a, a little bit about that trip to Kenya. Um, the following summer, the summer after my junior year of high school, we went on a similar trip um, to Tanzania. And we were actually originally supposed to go to Ethiopia, but there was some political unrest and protests going on. So last minute, 
we pivoted and ended up going to um, going to Tanzania. We we landed in Arusha, and we we got to do all sorts of of really cool things. Um, we went with a group called Project Concern International. And part of the work we were doing there was to help build a well in a rural community. And I loved this experience working literally with members of the community to help build this. Um, but there are two other parts of the trip that really just stood out as, as again, like life-changing experiences. And one of these things was that we visited this school called the School of St. Jude's. And the reason we visited this school is because we actually sponsored two kids at this school. So essentially this school, um, what they do, it's, it's a private school in, in Arusha and they only accept kids who come from the poorest families um, and there you know our aptitude tests so really taking the most gifted kids from these rural poor communities and giving them a really world-class education giving them three healthy meals a day and so for years we had sponsored two children at the school sponsored their tuition most of I think most of the school is is funded by um, by donors who you know invest in in these children, um, and so it was the coolest experience ever to be able to actually go to the school and meet these kids. Um, one of the kids, Emmanuel George, it, he's older I think now. He's graduated from college, which is just so wild. Um, but I remember just like sitting in the car with him and sitting at dinner and he wanted to like listen to 50 Cent on my iPod and um, just, you know, just that such a beautiful moment of cultural exchange and and it just really lit me up so much. It was such a positive experience and um, there were, I mean, just so many, so many great experiences at the school. Um, one in particular, we had helped raise money to create this music room and um, the kids all all started playing the instruments and I just totally broke down and started crying. And there there is photographic evidence of this also. Um, was pretty much crying the entire time I was there because it was just so magical and, and so beautiful. But the... The final thing that I wanted to share from that trip was just this most magical afternoon that we had walking through um, the village where we were building this water well. And again, because our original trip had, um, had fallen through when we were supposed to go to Ethiopia, this trip was a little, you know, not as, not as planned as the first trip. And so we, and it ended up being just absolutely perfect for that, for that exact, exact reason. It was just so serendipitous. And we got to, um, we were just walking through the village after we'd spent our morning working and we ended up running into 
this group of women and children, and they were so, so kind and so curious to learn about us. We couldn't really understand each other or speak the language, but there was so much that was shared. They ended up inviting us into their home. Um, they in ended up inviting us to actually eat lunch with them, and this is an extremely poor community, so they, they, they really didn't have any food to spare. Um, but that didn't matter. Nothing was going to get in the way of their of their hospitality. And it was just one of the most beautiful moments of my life. Just completely authentic, heart-to-heart -heart connection with people who lived completely different lives than we lived. Um, and it was just one of those moments where I really realized, like, we are all part of the same human family. We are all connected. And um, human, the humans at our core, we, we have so much love and, and, and goodness to share. Um, and so that was just such a powerful experience. And, and so kind of tying this back to to my story, after these, these two trips, I pretty much realized that I didn't really know what this was, but I remember telling Miss Nordinger, whatever this is, is what I want to do with the rest of my life. I didn't have, you know, the words to really describe it, but it was just this feeling of not only being of service, but being in genuine community with people, sharing that the fundamental things that make us human and, and connecting with people on that heart-to-heart -heart level. After this experience, I, I really started to think about, you know, I, that was my junior year, um, or after my sophomore year, I really started thinking about this, but, you know, definitely heightened after my, my second trip to Tanzania. And I was starting to think about really, you know, what what career I, I wanted and um, what I wanted to study. We were going to be going to college in a couple of years. And so I started to, um, you know, just really talk to Miss Nordinger and be like, OK, well, you know, you know what I love to do. Um, you you see what my gifts are. You know, how can this translate into a career? And so that's when I decided that what I wanted to do with the rest of my life was work in international development. So this decision that I wanted to spend the rest of my life, because um, <laughs> again, I, I have always had a really strong sense of self and I would say I've been pretty decisive. So, you know, at the, at the young age of 16, I, I really thought, you know, I had figured out why I was here, what I was meant to be doing, and I was just going to go do it. Um, always been pretty, pretty ambitious like that. And so this decision um, led me to apply to George Washington University in D.C. because they had a really great program where you could actually major in international development. Um, 
And so ended up graduating from high school, packing my bags and moving to Washington, D.C. And I remember being kind of annoyed that I had to continue to go to school. One, because I've always just been a person who learns by doing. Um, and school has kind of been, it was hard for me. Um, a little more challenging for me, I would say. Um, but I was really frustrated just because I wanted to just start working. I wanted to start changing the world. I wanted to be working in international development and, and just really start making an impact. Um, so I found it, you know, a little annoying that I still had to do another four years of school in order to do this. But um, luckily at GW, it was pretty common for people to have internships. So I started working right away in college and pretty much was studying and had an internship or a job throughout college. Um, so fast forward to graduating from school. I was looking for a job in international development and it was actually really challenging. It's it's kind of funny how how competitive these jobs are considering how low the salaries are. Um, and I found it just like really ridiculous that a lot of these entry-level roles required master's degrees and I didn't have the money to do that and I certainly was not about to sign up for more school since I was not that into school. Um, but I ended up finding this amazing job after months of waiting tables post-graduation. I ended up getting this job as a program associate at an international development nonprofit. And I literally couldn't have been more excited to get this job that paid me $37,000 a year living in DC, which was not enough really to make ends meet, but I didn't care. I just was so excited that I finally got to be doing this work that I had been dreaming about for my whole life. Um, and while I was at this organization, I really just got the coolest opportunities to travel around the world. I worked on a human trafficking project where we were training um, criminal justice system actors how to prosecute traffickers. And I did a lot of work around civil society development and community building and really strengthening the fabric of local communities and, and local NGOs um, who were mainly focused on gender equality and um, improving the life of, of marginalized groups in, in many of these countries. Um, and got to travel to Togo. I spent a lot of time. Um, in Togo um, and travel kind of all all over um, a couple a few countries in Africa um, Turkey and a few countries in Europe as well and it was just really such a dream for me I, I love traveling I've always um, like I've said before my, my vision has always been world embracing and so I was so excited to have this opportunity to travel around the world and do this work that I I really thought was impactful um, but it was it was towards the end where I I started to really question the impact that we were making 
I started to become very jaded about just, you know, U.S. government funded programs in in on the continent of Africa and throughout the Middle East and and Southeast Asia and really wondering, you know, is this what the local people want? Um, Are we really making an impact in their lives? The more I, I started to really study and take a closer look, um, it just started to not sit right with me anymore. I, I really started to realize that, you know, as, as, as much as some of the work we were doing was really great and we were working with local communities to make this happen, um, I really started to question whether foreign intervention into these countries was was beneficial and I I you know increasingly believed and saw that change really needs to come from the inside and come from the you know the community of people who live there those are the only people that that know you know what's right for their communities and what's going to make a, a, a positive impact in their communities and so I think in many senses, um, the international development work that we were doing is, is almost in a sense a kind of, a kind of colonialism, um, a kind of you know, continuing to impose US, U.S. will in these other countries. And so I became just you know, kind of increasingly jaded and, and this was super confusing for me because again, when I was you know, 16, I thought that I had figured out what I was gonna do for the rest of my life. Um, but there was, there was some work towards, towards the end of my time at that organization that really, really lit me up. And I had the opportunity to facilitate workshops and trainings around diversity and inclusion and really just showing others tools and approaches to make their work more inclusive and reach more people. Um, but we also did, did some workshops around self-care and wellness. And, you know, this is very different than some of the corporate um, wellness training that that we had done in DC, which we did do some, you know, with our with our DC staff. But this was really providing people, activists who are working on the front line, some of the most marginalized, traumatized people in the world who are fighting for human rights and justice. These are some of the most burnt out, traumatized people, and. I was so, so incredibly grateful to be able to work with them and provide them with, um, you know, some tools and some skills to help them mitigate some of these, these um, burnout symptoms that they had faced because for these people, you know, again, it's, it's, not, it's not the same as corporate burnout. This is their life. Their lives are on the line. Their, their communities um, are experiencing tremendous amounts of injustice and trauma and this experience just really lit up my soul and and helped me kind of connect my two interests which you know was helping to to change the world but also 
my interest in in holistic health and and wellness and yoga I, ha I had at that point in time been studying and practicing Ashtanga yoga for a few years and um, I really loved having the opportunity to bring some of these really great tools that I had learned from my yoga training um, to to these communities um, and these these like I said, frontline activists who were experiencing some of the most unimaginable pain and suffering, um, you know, in the world. And so that kind of brought me, um, as much as I loved that experience so much at that point in time, I, I pretty much had decided that international development and these, you know, U.S. government funded programs were not going to be what I was going to be doing for the rest of my life. And at that point in time, I, I really realized that my real dream was to create my own business. But after years of working at a nonprofit and living in DC, honestly, I was in debt and I, I, needed, to, I needed to find a corporate job just so I could start you know, building, building up my, my financial wealth to be able to you know, one day start a business. Um, and so, you know, if you would have asked me, you know, five years ago whether I would be working in a corporate job, I would have said, hell no, you know nothing about me. <laughs> I never in a thousand years thought I would go corporate, but it was partially motivated by honestly just the sheer necessity for a better paycheck. Um, but there was also this in this inner knowing that I the corporate world is a huge part of of the world and if i truly want to change the world i need to understand how the corporate world works from the inside and so that is the point in time when i transitioned into a corporate consulting role um, where i have been for the last three years and so this this experience really helped me understand some of the issues that the corporate world is facing too, particularly around uh, burnout and just continuing to to witness so many of my colleagues um, just in a kind of perpetual state of burnout and everybody's so busy and people's mental and physical and emotional and spiritual health were were kind of being sacrificed for for work and so that part of you know that this has been a also an important part of my journey to just see how again going back to kind of what i was talking about in the last episode people are are really struggling people are are not okay and um you know i think there are certainly companies that are trying to make health and wellness uh, more more of a priority and providing people with, you know, yoga classes in the middle of the day and meditation and whatever. But I think really all of these things are, are just band-aids for much deeper deeper issues. Um, and so we're going to be diving super deep into, into you know, all of these mental, physical, emotional health um, topics and really start discussing some ways that we can start to heal ourselves, heal our communities, heal our companies. Um, you know, this work, 
again, this is a world embracing vision and it really takes takes all of us. We all need to start to take ownership over our our personal health and and well-being. And so that that's going to be a huge focus of what we're we're going to be talking about on this podcast. Um so I think I will wrap it up for today and say that I'm probably going to do so that kind of brings you up to about um about a year a year ago or maybe 6 months ago. Um, but I think I'm going to end up doing a, an entirely separate podcast just on the last year of my life, which has been um, <laughs> since my Saturn return started in 2020. Um, really, all of these, these lessons that I've learned that I just shared over the last two episodes have really started to have really been distilled into this really profound wisdom and and clarity of my vision and you know my mission and and why I'm here um and this this kind of journey over the past year has also been um really influenced by my my personal health journey as well just kind of tying it back to what I was mentioning around around corporate burnout and obviously burnout that I was seeing in um in the activist communities as well um so in a future episode, I will dive deeper into my health journey and this past year of my life, my, my kind of spiritual awakening, if you will, and really what has brought me to this moment in time to launch Terra Nova, launch my lifelong dream of, well, I guess maybe not lifelong dream, but definitely a long-term dream of mine to create my own business that you know centers around really changing people's lives and, and changing the world. So thank you so, so much for tuning in today. It really means the world that you have listened to my story. Obviously, it's been really hard to share. I'm feeling a little bit of a vulnerability hangover, like my, my friend Nadia says when she she kind of has some a similar life path uh, to me. But um I thank you all so much for for listening with an open heart, and I cannot wait to start interacting with some of you all, um, either you know online or in person. So, if you're in the Austin area, we we are hosting um, a series of different events. So we're going to be hosting soulful Sundays, which is going to be a time for us to really get together, reconnect with body and soul and start to talk about some of these issues and how we can really, um, you know, bring more more transformation into our life, reconnect with our, our inner purpose and and start to chat about how we can, you know, bring about this this world, this this new world, this new Terra Nova. Um, so we're going to be having soulful Sundays. We're also going to be having human design salons for those of you who are interested in diving a little bit deeper into human design. It is something that has been profoundly, mind-blowingly helpful for me as I have navigated my past trauma and just societal conditioning that we all pick up just by nature of being human. Um, this is the system that really honestly got me to where I am right now because it helped me 
really sort out, you know, what is my conditioning and, and you know, kind of let that conditioning die to create space for, for new growth and for, um, you know, my new, my new life essentially to start growing. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, I could talk forever. We're definitely going to have multiple podcasts on human design. So, um, for those of you who are interested in learning more, um, you can tune into those future episodes. Um, and the third event I will share is that we're also going to be hosting Sunday dinner. Um, so after Soulful Sundays, which right now we have one planned for November and one for December, I'm thinking starting in the new year, we're probably going to try to do this a little bit more frequently. Um, but with with Sunday dinner, um, it'll just be an opportunity for us to really connect as a community over some, you know, heartwarming, nourishing food. Cooking has been a long, lifelong passion of mine, and I, I love to be able to share that with others and connect over... Um, different, you know, fun cuisines. So keeping in mind with the, keeping in line with the whole global theme, will um, the idea is to kind of showcase a different cuisine every every Sunday dinner. So if you are interested in joining any of those events, I invite you to check out my website, sarahbelpedio.com, and you can just go to the gatherings tab and find all the fun events we have planned. Um, and for everybody else, I, you know, in the future, we're hoping to have some in-person events really around the country and eventually around the world. Um, but for now, I would really love if you would go ahead and follow us on Instagram at Tara underscore Nova underscore pod and go ahead and get connected that way. Also, invite you to check out my website as well and there's actually some different ways that you all can start working with me directly as well so invite everybody to check out the website and the Instagram and um, like I said we're really looking forward to building a really interactive community I don't want this to be kind of a one-way thing where I'm sharing um, and you're listening but I really want to be hearing from all of you as well and start to you know cultivate this community of leaders who who are ready to usher in Terra Nova um, so thank you so much again from the bottom of my heart for tuning in today um, I cannot wait for our next episode to see y'all see y'all next time so thank you so much we'll see y'all on the other side Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wanna Bet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric acid.
Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast.